racism is a word that seldom comes up in a discussion of environmental protection. Clean air, water, and soil are universal human values that transcend ethnic identity or the color of one's skin. But in metropolitan centers around the United States, minority communities are being inundated by a disproportionate burden of pollution. Industrial waste, municipal garbage, and sewage treatment plants are routinely deposited in areas predominantly populated by low-income African Americans and Hispanics. In 1988, a community organizer named Peggy Shepard was asked to help address concerns around the creation of one such sewage treatment plant, a facility built in the New York City borough of Harlem. I said, what sewage treatment plant? I didn't realize. You know, it's interesting how you can walk by things every day or they can be in your community and you really, they just, it just never registers what they are. And so um, we began to organize around getting people jobs there because we thought that was the issue. But once it fully began operating, we realized that emissions and odors were making people sick. And so we began an eight-year organizing campaign to get the city to fix the plant, and we were successful. There ain't no reason things are this way. It's how they always been and they intend to stay. I can't explain why we live this way. We do it every day. Breezes on the podium speaking of saints Prophets on the sidewalk begging for change Old ladies laughing from the fire escape Cursing my name I got a basket full of lemons and they all taste the same A window in a pigeon with a broken wing You can spend your whole life working for something Just to have it taken away by bringing people in the community together, Shepherd's organization compelled the city of New York to commit $55 million to clean up the facility. They were also successful in creating environmental safety policies that will prevent further contamination at this and other sites in the future. With a lawsuit settlement of $1.1 million, Shepherd created a new organization called West Harlem Environmental Action Incorporated and today, known as WE Act, the group fights to prevent minority communities from suffering illness and premature death due to acts of environmental injustice. When we look at the glaring health disparities that we have between communities, you've got to wonder about the contributing factors to that illness and excess mortality. And we believe it is housing conditions as well as the disparate burden of pollution. Prison walls still standing tall Some things never change at all Keep on building prisons, gonna fill them all Keep on building bombs, gonna drop them all Working your fingers bare to the bone Breaking your back, make you sell your soul Like a lung, it's filled with coal Suffocating slow For those of us who care deeply about protecting the environment we should take a real close look around at the world in which we live. Clean air, water, and soil aren't only at risk in the distant, wild, and scenic places of our national parks, but in spaces where we work, play, and make our homes. And in these places, segments of our society, still often segregated by race, are being unfairly targeted with more than their fair share of our pollution. We're not just talking about environmental protection. The issue now is environmental justice. I'm James Mills, and you're listening to the Joy Trip Project. I come set me free. I do believe. Love
Now, exactly what is environmental justice and why is it important? Well, environmental justice is about the fair treatment of all people in all communities uh, regarding environmental enforcement and environmental decision making. It is about the inclusion of people of color and low income in decisions that affect our lives and our communities. Environmental racism is the deliberate targeting of communities of color and low income for pollution because those companies know that those particular communities are less informed about those issues and are less politically powerful to help stop them. And so we know specifically, we have been given confidential memos from corporations that laid out a strategy of deliberately targeting certain communities because of the reasons I've just stated. So when the movement really coalesced and mobilized together in the late 80s and then culminated in 1991 in a large leadership summit in Washington, D.C., where we developed 17 principles of environmental justice and establishing our connection and our connectivity to sacred Mother Earth. That was a, a time when we understood that we had to declare our values, that we speak for ourselves, that we were going to go home and organize the grassroots and organize a strong base, and that we were committed to a multi-ethnic, multi-racial um, movement. Of course, that's very challenging. Sure. Now, most People of color in this country live in urban centers as far away as you can get from a natural setting, certainly as far away as you can imagine. Is it difficult to raise environmental awareness for this population? Well, you begin working with the people who are most affected by the problem you're trying to address. So it was the people who lived closest to the sewage plant who came to me around organizing. Or it's the people who live across from of one of five of the bus depots that are in uptown Manhattan. It's the people who live across from them with buses idling night and day, and their child has asthma. It's those people who are very well informed on what those impacts are, and they understand that it is a concern and that it needs to get fixed. So we, work, we begin organizing with the people most affected. But what we've been doing to empower community residents is we've developed trainings around environmental health so that people understand the connection between air quality and asthma, or they understand the issues of children's environmental health, asthma and lead. They understand the contribution that poor deteriorating housing makes to indoor air quality and to family health. Now, health is one of the issues that you're addressing as well. Is physical activity anywhere on your agenda with regard to environmental and, I guess, social racism? 
Absolutely. We have an obesity epidemic. And in a community like a Harlem community, you will find that some incredible number, like approaching 80% of African-American women are obese. And obesity is an amazing risk factor for other disease, like diabetes, heart disease, hypertension. Even finding through some research, some recent research, that it's a risk factor for asthma. So we've been doing studies with the uh, Columbia Children's Center for Environmental Health, and we've been following a cohort of 720 mothers and newborns, and following those children now for nine years. And we've found that the impact of diesel particles and soot from buses and trucks has exposed the mother during pregnancy to, to these allergens and toxins, and that that has crossed the placenta and sensitized the newborn baby. So that now babies are being born sensitized to a variety of allergens like diesel particulates, mouse allergen, cockroach, and dust mite. And obviously that means that they may have problems in their later development. So when we look at obesity in this cohort of children at age two, the children who appear to be at risk for obesity seem to develop asthma by age five. So we're finding that even at that early age, being overweight, is a risk factor for something like asthma. Now, how much of the environmental crises that we're talking about in urban centers is directly a product of racism, or is it simply a matter of benign neglect? Well, we do know that, for instance, the North River Sewage Treatment Plant was originally sited at West 70th Street, which is downtown on the west side in New York City. The Upper West Side is affluent. Donald Trump has his Trump Towers right along there. And so some developers lobbied the City Planning Commission and said, you shouldn't put it there. Now the water engineers said that was the best place for it. But instead, it was moved uptown, and uptown is on a very high slope. So it really isn't the best place when you understand that our water system and sewage system works by gravity. So, but notwithstanding the science, it was put uptown because land was cheaper, and it was a community it was felt that would not resist. So is that racism? I would say that that's an intentional targeting of getting rid of something you don't want in a more affluent community and putting it somewhere else where you think the people, you know, won't be alert to it. I think that's intentional. No, I think a lot of people, when they think about environmentalism, think about open spaces, the wilderness, the great outdoors. How do you feel with regard to how much effort is put there as opposed to the urban centers that we've been talking about? The conservation groups are very powerful. There is a lot of money and resources in this country devoted to conservation, and rightfully so. But on the other hand, 
we have to create a balance because our environment is where we live, work, play, and go to school. So our environment is more than just the natural environment. And so we have got to maintain the balance that the man-made environment, our built environment that most of us live in, especially if we live in urban centers, that that environment has to be protected, it has to be maintained, and that we have to ensure that it does not have negative impacts on the health and well-being of the residents who live there and work there. So we need a balance here. We've got to conserve water and energy and our natural resources, but we also must preserve the health of residents who live in a built environment. Because that's our reality today. More and more people uh, are living in cities and living in metropolitan areas. We've got to really focus on the future of our cities and the sustainability of those cities and the people in them. Beyond the rules of religion The cloth of conviction Above all the competition Where fact and fiction meet There's no color lines, caste or classes There's no fool in the masses Whatever faith you practice Whatever you believe Oh, heaven You can learn more about Peggy Shepard and her work at West Harlem Environmental Action Incorporated online at weact.org For the Joy Trip Project, this is James Mills. Is there hope for the hopeless? Throw away your misconception. New music this week by singer-songwriter Brett Denon. Special thanks to our sponsors, Recreational Equipment Incorporated, REI, and Patagonia. We don't take money from just anyone. Sponsors of the Joy Trip Project support our mission of an active lifestyle through outdoor recreation and community involvement. Support us by supporting them. Find links to their website on ours at joytripproject.com. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by posting a link to it on your Facebook page or send it as a tweet to your followers on Twitter. Social media is a vibrant exchange of ideas. Join the conversation by becoming engaged. Post your comments to the Joy Trip Project blog or send us an email at info at joytripproject.com. Share your stories. Share your passion for outdoor recreation, environmental conservation, acts of charitable giving, and practices of sustainable living. And you just might inspire our next Joy Trip together. But most of all, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, take care. Heaven ain't got no reason. Government, no business, no banks or politicians, no armies and no police. Castles and cathedrals crumble, pyramids and pipelines tumble. The failure keeps you humble.
closer to peace. 